Hello, and welcome to Truth Be Known. This is not Lauren Vaccarello. This is Ben Wilson, executive producer of Truth Be Known. And on this episode, we're turning the mic around, and I'm going to be interviewing Lauren to talk about some predictions for 2021. Lauren, how are you? I'm good. It is exciting and terrifying to be on this side of the mic, so excited to be here. What goes around comes around, right? It does. It does. Now this is my um this is my penance for, you know, hard interview questions this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Since it is still your podcast, you know, will obviously be pretty easy on you cuz I guess you can take out whatever you want to take out. So, uh, it's not really fair, but um so we're talking about predictions for 2021. We'll do a little bit of, of fun personal stuff, but uh, of course we'll start with uh, some business predictions. You and your executive team uh, recently made some predictions for the coming year. And and so one of the first ones I wanted to ask you about um, was this one about the evolving interface uh, and interaction between digital and brick and mortar. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. How do you think that's going to shift in this coming year? Sure. And I think everyone knows 2020 was just the most unexpected, unexpected year for everybody. The thing I've said to my team, pretty much everyone that I've interacted with is, uh, I hope 2021 is less eventful and is less interesting than 2020. Um, And in 2020, it forced so many businesses and retail stores, your yoga studio, every, you know, your doctor's office to go from this in-person analog world and really accelerated the move to digital that the, we've learned that we no longer have to go to an exercise studio to work out. You have so many digital options. You have things like the accelerated rise of Peloton. We have customers like um, L'Oreal that has definitely been impacted by the loss of retail stores, but have accelerated their digital transformation. They've built these incredible online ways to interact with their customers to change the way um, consumers interact with health and beauty products online. And 2021's happening, we're already there. And we all have these high hopes and aspirations that life can go back to quote unquote normal. And what is normal, the way the world was 12 months ago is not going to exist in 2021. What we're going to see is more of this, this hybrid where we can do some things in person, but we no longer have to do everything in person. And where I see this really happening is I look at things like, you know, my favorite yoga studio, which unfortunately, like so many small businesses had a huge, huge impact because COVID took away in-person classes. But what they did and how I saw them pivot was there's a really interesting switch to virtual classes. And in some classes, my favorite yoga instructor has 150 people going to his class now, which would have never happened before. Just because he can start hosting in person, it doesn't mean that's the only thing that'll exist. So I think we'll see more and more of these hybrids where this is the, the in-person analog component to business, whether it is your retail store, your yoga studio, your doctor's office, but everything will be complemented with a, a digital a digital version and sort of a digital, um, a digital interaction. And this, um, everything from retail shopping, we have these higher expectations of the business knowing how, who we are digitally being able to serve us better and continuing that experience, um, in person. And and this is something that we were sort of already seeing, right. But it's just kind of 2020 just made it happen faster. It, It would have happened. We would have gotten there eventually, 
but this was the forcing function. This was the forcing function for every single business to, to lean into, um, to lean into digital. I even think about, um, all of the restaurants and there's so many restaurants that are impacted by this. I was, uh, speaking with a friend about this who works at, um, a software company specifically for restaurants. And what they had mentioned to me was sales are up. And I went, how are sales up? This is the restaurant industry has taken such a big hit. And it was, well, now all of these restaurants that never really had to care about digital, they didn't really have to think that much about takeout or touchless ordering. That has to happen. So all of these restaurants have fast forwarded five or 10 years to this digital transformation. Your doctor's office that may or may not have had telemedicine now has to have telemedicine. Your local workout studios now have to have that virtual option. All these businesses would have eventually gotten there. There is no more eventually. There was this absolute forcing function and that's not gonna go away just because they can also interact with consumers in person. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, you know, do you see this as an, are you optimistic about this? Do you see this as a, a positive trend or just a neutral trend? I mean, how, how do you feel about, about, I mean, honestly, I see it as a positive trend. I mean, selfishly and completely lazy. I don't want to take an eight, walk 40 minutes to my 8am <laughs> yoga class on Sunday. The fact that I can get up at five to eight and take the class from my living room, sure. huge pro. But if I want to do the walk, I can have the in-person experience. I can have the digital experience. And I think about telemedicine and telehealth. The fact that if I'm not feeling well, I don't have to get up, trek to a doctor's office. I can now have a much better virtual experience. And we're set up for this is a fantastic thing. It means doctors can serve more patients in remote areas, provide better care. And when you go in to see a doctor, it's because you need to see someone in person versus this is the only option. So it's not, no one wanted this change to happen this quickly. We all were very content with the lives and the way we lived. Totally. Yep. But this accelerated change, and honestly, I think it is long-term is going to be for the better. I just hope um, a lot of the businesses can survive the, this really, really tough transition period. Well, and I think that's kind of an optimistic note, right? Because uh, I think the concern was that this was just going to be the death of everything yeah. in person. And it's not that, right? We are going to have, like you said, it's hybrid. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to see some people again. We'll, we'll do some things in person again. Um, but, but it's not going to go back, like you said, to the way it was. It, it won't. And I mean, I, for one, am very, very excited to see people in person again. And just because I can do a lot of these things remotely now, I want to go into a store and try on a shirt. <laughs> I want to, you know, go to an, an actual live event, Yeah. but I don't have to anymore. And what this has taught us is that we can interact with people virtually, which has broken down so many barriers and borders because I don't have to sit next to my colleague. They could be on the other side of the world. And I've learned how to interact with people and how to work together completely remotely. And I don't think we would have made this shift um, if we weren't forced to. Yep. So with that shift, with, with more things being digital, I know one of the other predictions you made was about data trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously that's something that has been shifting, that has be- 
you know, it's been emerging as a trend as something that's increasingly important. Uh, how do you foresee that changing further in 2021? It's it, if in 2020, this notion of do you trust your data went from sure, mostly I pretty much trust my data. I can get away with it to if you don't trust your data, your business can be completely sunk. The idea of relying on historical data and historical trends just doesn't work anymore. I need to know what is happening in real time with a degree of accuracy and quality and trust that is 100% business critical right now where it didn't used to be. I used to be able to get away with good enough because there was pattern recognition. There's no such thing as pattern recognition in this world. And in 2021, that's not gonna go away. The importance of having access to data in real time that you can trust is only going to become more and more important. It's not that we're gonna wake up one day, everything goes back to the way it was probably this day last year. That's not going to happen. And now we also have raised the bar in our ability to trust our data and to react quickly. It's only gonna become more and more important and it's going to go from the gold standard to table stakes in everything we do. Yeah. And, you know, obviously talent is a big part of that transformation. Um, you know, how do you see that happening? Like what, who are the people involved and what do they need to keep in mind uh, as data trust becomes uh, something that they're focusing on in the coming year? Uh, a lot of it, when you're thinking about this idea of data trust, do you trust the data, the information that you have? Part of it is uh, do you have data from all the right sources? Are you looking at data from the right places? Are you pulling everything together? Because what's that, the adage having no, no data is worse than having some of it or having the wrong data? Right. It, it is, we need to have a better understanding of, is this complete? Do I have access to all of the information that I'm looking for? And the, what is the general accuracy of what you're getting? I think about it as a marketer and, you know, what's the marketing data that we get all the time. You can go through and you can cleanse your database and you can say, I've normalized every single contact. Well, then that means it's static and you're no longer implement. You're no longer inputting more contacts. You're no longer getting, you're not getting any more leads. We have to assume any time that a person fills out a form, a sales rep enters something in Salesforce, there's room for human error. And when you compound that over time and over tons and tons of data sources, everything that you're looking at is going to get a little, a little squirrely for lack of a better word, and you can easily start making wrong decisions. Um, and that's a lot of what I see as having to continuously make sure we're fixing, we're correcting, and that's just sort of table stakes on the marketing side. And now think about if you were working from a supply chain perspective and what if you are, uh, you've, changed your, uh, you've changed your ERP, but the way you're inputting data and pulling everything in is the same way that you used to. Are you gonna really understand how many ventilators are going through, um, going through your manufacturing line? If you're willing to take a chance that it's good enough, that's fine. But if you're not willing to take that chance, you have to understand, um, you have to really trust all the information that you have. Yeah. It, what you said at the beginning about, you know, the, uh, 
having a little bit of knowledge kind of being a dangerous thing reminds me of, yep. you know, talking to my nephews and he busts out the skateboard. And I'm like, Oh, do you know how to skateboard? And he goes a little bit. And that's when I know like, Oh, he's about to get hurt. He doesn't, <laughs> you know, you need to, and, and it's, it's, with data, it's that way, right. That you need to progress beyond that a little bit as quickly as you can, because having the wrong, I, the wrong picture of what's going on is, is sometimes worse than, than having no picture at all. So you need to kind of speed up to getting those multiple data sources, like you were talking about. Completely. And again, like I look at it as a marketer and you can say, and I, I've heard this so much from, from analysts in the past that will go to you and say, you know, marketing this, this lead source drives the most, you know, drives the most leads or drives the most pipeline. You should put, you should spend more money on this. And then you take a step back and say, okay, do you know how much money we spent on that? I spent five times as much money on this than the next possible option. With this limited data set, you're telling me to put all of my money over here. You're missing a core piece of information, which is spend data. So if I do this, I'm probably going to cost the company a ton of money because you now don't understand that this is a negative ROI and that's why we're not doing this. And it's something that simple and it happens all the time. If you only know a little bit, you're going to be like your poor nephew and uh, hopefully not going to hurt too bad. Oh, you know, just a busted wrist, but he'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're, he's young, you know, they, they bounce. They heal um, Yes. And so on the marketing side, uh, you, you talked um, about marketing a little bit. And one of your predictions was also about how marketing is going to change a little bit, how people might connect differently uh, in 2021. Uh, how do you see that changing? So it's interesting. And I can say this for marketing and then also also on the IT side. We, If you haven't listened to the the interview with Wendy Pfeiffer from Nutanix, it is, it's one of my favorites. And she talked about this and she runs this massive IT organization. And it's really similar on the marketing side. Both marketing professionals and IT professionals have had to adapt more quickly this year than probably any other, any other profession. And it's this idea of don't rely on your laurels, adapt, pivot as fast as possible for marketers, especially enterprise marketers who really heavily relied on in-person events, field marketing, that one-to-one -one interaction, that's gone. But I don't know a single marketer who had a quota reduction this, this year. We all had to keep driving demand. We all had to keep moving forward but you have to find new ways to do it. We had to throw every playbook we knew out the door and start over. And when you discover something that works and you're like, we have these Zoom happy hours and it's amazing. And then everyone's doing Zoom happy hours and your eyes glaze over and you can't do another yeah. event on Zoom. Right. As a marketer that doesn't go, okay, well, well, that won't work. It's well, then now what? Now, how do I build deep, meaningful relationships? And then you think on the IT professional side, think about schools. You had at a lot of different schools, you have the one IT person who's the network admin. They're responsible for the printers, for every application, for everything in a school. And maybe or maybe not there, maybe they're not, you know, the most respected person in the school. All of a sudden in 2020, that IT person is the most important person for the education of every single child because that IT person now needs to figure out 
How do you build the infrastructure for remote learning? How do you train all of these teachers who are of various ages and technical backgrounds? How do you get them all up to speed on how to use all of these applications? How to proctor during remote learning and how to teach this way? And you need the technology behind it. So everyone from the IT admin at an elementary school to the IT professional at every business had to completely change what they do because now you went from having to enable employees in offices to, no, no, every single employee now needs to be able to be productive 100% remotely. And do you have the systems and technology to make that work? And by the way, that might change again a month from now, that might change again three months from now. So this adaptability, um, and being able just to pivot as quickly as the world is. I mean, it has run every marketer and probably every IT professional through the gauntlet in 2020. I mean, I wanna say in 2021, it'll be a little bit lighter. It'll all be easy. It hasn't happened yet in 2021. Um, <laughs> maybe it will, but it's just gonna keep going. And the added complexity that'll happen in 2021 is optimistically second half of the year, we'll be able to see each other in person again. So now IT professionals and marketers now have to go, we knew the old world, we pivoted and made this new fully remote world work. Okay, now you have to make both work and they have to work together. So that leads me to um, my next question. And you talked a little bit about Zoom happy hours live events versus digital events. Um, and hopefully the vaccine is being distribu distributed all around the world. So hopefully we're gonna be able to meet again in person. And I think we all agree, uh, you know, that, that really rung true when you said that we're all a little tired of Zoom happy hours. We're, we're very ready to see each other in person. Um, specifically from this idea of virtual events, Mm -hmm. Is there anything, so first of all, we've got to keep them going at least for a while, for a yeah. number of, of months. Um, and then is there anything that has been learned in regard to that, that is something that we, people are going to keep around permanently, right? Some, yeah. Something that is better than the old way, rather than just sort of a, a half measure while we're waiting for people to be able to meet in person again. I mean, there, we've pivoted. <laughs> I, my team has a, a running joke that um, everyone needs to take a shot as every time I say the word pivot, which I, I come back with, but then y'all would be drunk all the time. <laughs> uh, um, so we've had to pivot all of our, all of our live in-person events, obviously virtual, but that also includes things like advisory boards that includes things like executive events and executive programs which are normally all about how do you build relationships and connections and meaningful experiences, um, which we thought would be a real challenge virtually. There are some things that virtually actually has, has an advantage. What I, have think, what I think is really cool is normally at, say, a, an, a, a small exec event, which is 10 people or an advisory board, it usually is really focused on a particular region, a particular location. So if it's going to be in you know, New York, that's all of the types of companies you're gonna get. But what I'm seeing now is uh, we ran an executive event at um, 
uh, one of our world tour events where I had people from New York, people from California. I had an amazing customer from Australia there. I had someone from the UK there. It was just this, I'm getting customers from all over the world together at the same time to have this dialogue who would have never gotten a chance to meet before. And it was such an interesting, rich conversation. And why, where you're sitting there going, how do all these time zones work together? Because it's weird times of day. Uh, one, of our, one of our customers couldn't make the event that was in his time zone. But he's like, actually, this one's at 11 o'clock at night for me. And that's actually easier for me to jump on this because I get up later in the day, the kids are in bed, everything is fine. So he got to jump on um, this event at the end of the day at you know 10 or 11 o'clock at night, which is normally seen as a bad thing, but it actually worked better for his schedule. It had this more meaningful, truly global interaction. And then normally at these events, when you're trying to pay attention and interact, you know, you have to remember everything about every customer. And hopefully the customers who are at that event don't listen to this part. I had a cheat sheet next to me of <laughs> here's the things I, if I need to reference back, I have it, which I can't have in person. So it was this great little, little extra benefit for me personally. And I think the customers got more out of it. And we were able to really build those connections that you can't, we could not have pulled that off in person. So I there's definitely still a place for virtual to break down some of the barriers that just geography and time zone usually create. Yeah. You know, you talk about that cheat sheet and, but just having more of that information at your disposal means that you can get to conversations about important things faster. Right. Yep. Um, and that is an interesting way to think about that. You, you can, with those digital events, just condense it down to its most important components a, a little yep. more, uh, a little faster, a little stronger. Um, so, so, you know, yeah. Um, okay. One other one talking about business predictions is that your CEO, now this was, um, from your executive team, your CEO, Crystal talked about the idea of measuring data health. Um, and so, you know, when I hear that, I, I think I have an idea kind of, but what does an actual measurement of something like, like data health, what does that type of metric look like? So the, something I very rarely talk about on this show is actually talent in our own products. Um, when we released something called trust score, uh, I was going to say earlier this year, but now it's late 2020 that actually goes through and gives you an overall measurement of how trustworthy is, is your data, how healthy is your data. So you can sit there and go, you know, this is only of a scale of, you know, one to a hundred, this is a 25. Maybe I should go in and actually do something to fix this because I'm not pulling in all of the right information or this data set doesn't match something that's telling the same thing. And, you know, from our perspective, we believe that businesses should be able to measure every aspect of their organization and having this prolonged pandemic in 2021, hopefully it won't be that prolonged it's going to further expose this need to mitigate risk and maximize opportunities for businesses. This idea of implementing this measurement of data health that's verifiable and ensures clean, complete, and ultimately uncompromised data will make it easier for businesses to make these important decisions with speed. And it's the idea of with reliable data, organizations are never gonna have this scenario where their data is this game of sort of Jenga 
where you pull one piece and your entire, your entire tower falls apart. Right. And I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the idea of data trust and a little bit, it's like, well, if you can't measure it, then, then what are we even talking about? Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well then let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about, about Lauren. Let's talk about, mm-hmm. uh, 2021. It's a new year. All right. Hoping things get better. They started off a little rocky, but there's still time. We've still got, you know, 11 and a half months. So, uh, what's, uh, what's, what's your predictions for yourself? Um, so I, I bought my first car. Oh. I bought my, it's very, it's terrifying for everybody on January 1st. I had my very first car. Uh, uh, for everyone who can't see, you know, this is, this is audio only, uh, this Lauren's actually 16 years old. So that's why <laughs> she just got her first car. It, it is. It is. I'm in fact 16 and I've gotten my first car. <laughs> um, and I, I am going to drive. Um, so I, for people who have heard me talk on other things, I am a absolutely terrible surfer and I adore it and I'm awful. Uh, so the best place for me to surf in the Bay Area is down in Santa Cruz. And to get from San Francisco to Santa Cruz, you have to take Highway 17, which most people don't, nor should they know this, is the fifth most dangerous highway in the United States. It is very, very windy. It goes through the mountains. It's windy up the mountain and windy down the mountain. I'm terrified of driving this freeway. And you know what? 2021, I am, I am taking this, I'm taking my new car and driving the 17 and going surfing in Santa Cruz. And I'm going to catch the biggest wave I've ever caught, which might be three and a half feet in Santa Cruz in 2021. I'm terrified for you, man. <laughs> Me too. Be, be, be safe out there. You know, it's a new year, but 2020 is not over. Be safe out there, Lauren. Yes, yes. This is gonna it's gonna take me probably the entire year to get there. But this is my this is my big prediction for 2021 is I can drive the 17. Okay, that's a that's a great prediction. Um, anything else? Any? Uh, do you have a a prediction for the first place that you're going to? Uh, to travel to that maybe you, you could not uh, travel to or thing that you that you'll do that you could not otherwise do during uh, COVID and, and shelter in place? Um, I want to hug a stranger. Just, <laughs> I just want to get in there and hug a stranger um, in a, a totally appropriate, non-creepy, consensual way. I would love to hug a stranger um, depending on depending on when it hits, when we're allowed, to, when we're released from captivity. Um, a lot of my team is in France. I would love to get on a plane and go to Paris and see everybody. And, um, and hopefully, uh, for the people out there, you know, Burning Man is back in right. the end of the year. Again, hugging a stranger. Yes. Hugging. Um, yes. Burning Man is back. Um, well, awesome. Well, what any, about, uh, what about you? what's your, what's your prediction for 2021? Where are you going? Where am I? Well, so I, uh, I had a baby a month ago. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my, my travel capabilities are, um, not gone, but diminished a little bit. So babies are free under three. So you can actually just like tack her on you and get on a plane. That's right. That's right. But the idea of like going across the Atlantic or the Pacific does not sound that fun. So, you know, maybe something in the U S uh, my wife has never been to the Grand Canyon, so we were talking about maybe doing that. So I think that'd be fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Lauren, any, uh, any parting words for the audience? You know, I think we should all be optimistic for 2021. It is, um, may we all live in less interesting times. <laughs> Agreed. Well, uh, to everyone out there listening, thanks for uh, tuning in and see you next time. Truth Be Known is brought to you by Talent. A leader in data integration and data integrity, Talent enables every company to find clarity amidst the chaos. Talent Data Fabric brings together in a single platform all the necessary capabilities that ensure enterprise data is complete, clean, compliant, and readily available to everyone who needs it throughout the organization. Learn more at talent.com. That's T-A-L-E-N-D.com.